Blog Talk Radio. Hi, and welcome to episode number six of The Fix. I am your host, Joe Janish, coming to you live from New York City. We're going to get Angel Borelli on the line just a moment. Hey, Angel, you there? I am. Hi. Hi. How are you doing today? I'm great. How are you doing? Doing well. Doing well. So uh, we've got some uh, interesting news over the last 48 hours involving some different pitching injuries and news from Dr. James Andrews. Um, Great. Well, I don't know if it's great. Um, It all depends on whether or not we can fix it, right? (laughs) Well, I'm dying to hear it. (laughs) I'm talking about the interview that he did. I actually did listen to it, just so you know. Oh, you did. You did hear Dr. James Andrews. Great. Um, yeah. He had a couple different messages in, in that interview. W- one of the headlines from it was that, that Tommy John injuries could be blamed on the radar gun. I, I don't, I'm not sure what that means. I guess, I guess that has something to do with, with throwing the ball too fast or too hard at certain ages. I think his exact, his exact quote was, the radar gun is a problem because these kids are all trying to throw 90 miles an hour. The red line for the Tommy John ligament in high school is 80 to 85 miles per hour. The ones that throw beyond that are going beyond the development property of their normal ligament and they're getting hurt. Now, mm-hmm. from my standpoint, as, as someone who's a, a pitching coach, has pitched and dealt with younger kids, and I deal with younger kids all the time, you know, from, from eight-year-old all the way up to 18 and, and even older, I, I do know that, or I do feel like the radar gun does get into kids' heads and even parents' heads, and, and they get, you know, all, all about velocity, 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 throwing harder, harder, harder. But um, this is the first time I ever had heard that there's a red line for the, for the elbow ligament at 80 to 85 miles an hour. Could you comment on that? Well, actually, it, I was surprised when he said it, too. I've never heard it either because usually um, when we're at the conferences, and I have heard him talk about the radar gun being a problem, but at the conferences, usually they're talking about the strength of the UCL and how pitching surpasses that, and so why why the UCL needs the assistance of muscles, et cetera, to help it do its job because pitching itself puts more stress on the UCL than it can handle. And they do this by testing the UCL strength in a laboratory setting. But what they've probably gone and done now is quantified this with um, miles per hour because the rotational velocity of the elbow goes up as the velocity goes up. And the rotational velocity of the elbow as it goes up puts the more stress on the UCL. So they probably reversed engineered this and come up with that. And I think it's great that he said that because um, uh, it's an interesting piece of data. The other thing, though, is and what this is really what he's saying. He's saying there's so much focus on velocity that kids are trying to throw harder, that that's the product they're trying to get. What he didn't say, which is what I want to make clear, is that velocity is a product of great mechanics and efficiency and correct use of your body. And if you go for velocity as the product, you get into this, what pitching coaches might call somebody who looks like they're overthrowing or someone who's, you know, their mechanics completely fall apart because they're, in in a sense, trying too hard. Nobody really understands where velocity comes from 
not nobody, I'm talking about the pitchers themselves don't really understand how to throw harder. So in their attempt to throw harder, they just try to throw their arm harder. And that's not where you begin the velocity journey at. You begin it in the rotation of the hips, which starts with how good you do your stride and keep your whole body sideways. So there's a dual problem here. Everyone wants velocity. When they try to get it, it actually cause, can cause more damage. And, but here's the thing. This is the good news. If you can't throw a certain miles per hour and you try to, your performance goes down so badly in terms of the, the spots you're hitting that usually end up pulling back. In other words, velocity just doesn't come to you because you're trying to get it. So it kind of has an internal control system. But the trying is what the problem is, and the trying is usually coming from whipping and using the arm in a certain way where you're flinging the elbow, and that's not really the way pitching is done, and it's definitely not the way you uh, accumulate velocity. So it's got two sides to it. But he, So the radar gun, that's why I don't allow them in my sessions. And the parents that buy them and they bring them out, I cut them off like they have to leave. They have to put it in their suitcase. They have to do, I mean, I've had parents come out with huge um, uh, radar guns. And I'm like, no, first of all, the, you're not going to get the top velocity in a bullpen. And secondly, this is not what we're doing here. And so uh, I agree with him. But the, that's not going to change. That's not going to change. No, that's... So what has, what has to change is, is teaching kids, teaching kids how to move and create the correct amount of force from the body so that it transmits it to the shoulder and elbow, not trying to derive the velocity from their shoulder and elbow. So I'm a person, you know, in my work, the ideal situation I can't deal with. I have to deal with what is reality. And the kid who is my, the coaches that call me to recruit pitchers that I work with, if you're not in the high 80s as a senior, they don't even want to look at you. And they want to know you're going to hit 90, 91, 92 in the upcoming years. So it's not going to go away, but what needs to be added is then how do we, let's start to teach the kids how to be efficient with their body so that the, the velocity comes as a product of their mechanics just getting better and better. Yeah, I, I've been seeing the, the the radar gun as a problem ever since it it came out back in I guess it's probably the mid seventies, late seventies when we first started to see them, and and that's it, it's exactly what you just said. If a scout doesn't get a, a radar gun reading of at least ninety miles an hour on a pitcher, he's not signing him. It doesn't matter doesn't matter you know what the kid is doing if he if he strikes out eighteen batters a game, if he's not throwing at least ninety, he's probably not going to have a good chance of getting signed, and that's that's a that's a real shame because. It shouldn't just be about velocity. It should be about, you know, how well a pitcher can pitch, how well he can change speeds, how he can hit locations. But, you know, for whatever reason, you know, these scouts, I mean, I, I don't want to say it's laziness, but it's, it's um, a quantitative way to, uh, to justify when, when they have a kid and they're, and they're trying to convince their superiors, hey, this is a guy that we need to sign. And, and then, well, why should we trust you? Well, well, because, look, he's thrown 92 miles an hour. So there's something quantitative to... And this, this, is, this is the world we live in, unfortunately. It, it, you know what? The other thing you said, you know, about we should be worrying about getting the, the pitchers more efficient. I also do um, hitting. I, I teach hitters and batting, you know. And there's a, there's a saying that we have. Before you learn how to hit home runs, 
you have to learn how to hit for average. You know, you have to have the basics of just making contact and hitting line drives and learning how to hit line drives. And then as you, as you learn to develop how to hit the ball to all fields, hit line drives, learn to hit different pitches, you get that down first, and then, then you learn how to hit home runs. It's something, it's like, it's a development thing. And yeah, I feel so, like pitchers should, pitchers should be doing the same thing. They should be worrying about hitting spots, throwing their fastball, throwing their changeup, you know, getting the right spin on their curve, and then worry about velocity somewhere down the line. But first get everything, get the fundamentals down. Right, um, exactly. And it's, and, and it's, and it's interesting. Um, something else that jumped out at me right away from uh, Dr. James Andrews' interview was poor mechanics continue to always be a problem. Well, isn't that something? <laughs> I feel like I've heard that before somewhere. <laughs> yes, and I'm so glad he came out and said that, yes. Which means that yeah, there's it's, always it's hope. Term. Which means that there's exactly. always hope. You see, when you identify, you know, when you say UCL injuries can't be prevented, then there's no hope. That comment doesn't lead to a solution but or change. But if you say the number one reason is mechanics being a, a problem, now we've got something to work with. And that is what has to happen because there are a percentage of injuries that can be avoided. And we have to believe that and we have to go for it. And so I'm glad he finally said it. I think it's great. Yeah, it's about time. It's about time. I mean, obviously there are other, there are other elements that go into the, you know, why people get in, uh, pitchers get injured. But I feel like everyone just brushes off the mechanics one because I, I you know, I guess part of it is just they don't understand it. But Along along the same lines, moving with that, just recently we found out that Matt Moore, pitcher for the uh, Tampa Bay Rays, has some kind of an elbow strain, a uh, UCL strain. I don't. The last I heard, they're not sure whether or not he's going to be getting Tommy John surgery or not. But one of the things that came up was that he had pain when he threw his changeup, and as a result, the Rays were saying that the changeup was a dangerous pitch for him. They didn't want him throwing it anymore. I heard very something very similar to when Steven Strasburg hurt his elbow with the Nationals, saying that you know they don't they don't want him throwing his changeup because that was the pitch that he felt pain on. And and I feel like this this works right into what um, Dr. Andrews was saying about mechanics and and form and and style and things like that. Because I mean, doesn't the science say that the changeup is one of the safer pitches? Well, what it says is that when they looked at elbow velocity. Um, between this is when this actually um, you know when they were looking at the curveball and the danger the dangerous nature of it quote unquote they found that you know in the end the curveball and the fastball really don't produce different amounts of stress on the elbow in terms of the rotational velocity and the changeup has the least so people think well then that makes it less stressful and we know that when a pitcher is in a bullpen, he's throwing change-ups, intermixing that with his other pitches because it does reduce some stress, so he's not constantly throwing stressful pitches. So, uh, but any movement in any sport, I don't care, uh, you know, a pitcher can hurt himself lifting his knee up on balance. I mean, any time you have something going wrong with one part of the movement, it is critical to take a look at what's he doing differently, which means you've got to, you know, do some comparing. And then also you've got to look at the intricate nature of the way he's doing it. And everything in pitching is about holding the ball. 
And everything about the elbow is about the way the fingers and the wrist relate to the muscles that insert on the elbow and the forearm. So whenever you move one finger this way or that way, and the change-up because of the way the different styles that pitchers use. And, you know, pitchers, they're creative. You know, they may be taught to do something one way and may move a finger over this way. But every time you change a finger position, you're changing the way the forearm works. So I find it intriguing that it's a change-up. I didn't say to myself, wow, huh, it's the least stressful. I'm, my first question is, what kind of a change-up does he throw? And that doesn't even necessarily mean the category, like it's a circle change or a split change. It's more like, yes, what does he call it? But I want to see it. And not from a pitching coach standpoint, because I don't do that. I don't know anything about the pitches per se, but I do know about the way the muscles interact and how they affect things. And the way that you position the thumb affects the way the wrist is going to move. And if, let's say, he had the thumb in a strange position or, or a position that he likes that works for him, that could have been making the wrist movement very tight. And then when you try to throw a ball and you've got your something locked, then the next joint takes the beating. See, so this is how, you know, understanding kinesiology, because kinesiology is really the study of the way the muscles work together. And that is why a kinesiologist like myself, when I go to change something, I'm working with the muscles. And change is really what kinesiology is about. It's about using it to make corrections. So it's not so much it's less stress on the elbow that we have to be so concerned about. It's like I find this intriguing and somebody needs to get to the bottom of it. But saying you should never throw it, as if that's the solution, and I don't think this is what they were saying. That would be like you're going to the doctor and saying, when I sit down, my back is killing me, and him saying to you, well, then don't sit down. You see, if there's something well, wrong in anything, there's something wrong, and it will rear its ugly head in other places eventually. So, uh, yeah, so that, that, that would be my explanation of that comment. But, um, yeah, it's, it's intriguing to me. It's very intriguing. I, I have to say, Angel, I've actually had doctors that, that gave me um, advice like that. Um, well, don't do that wow. anymore, which <laughs> which was never the right answer, and that's when I, I moved on to another doctor. But um, that's, right, that's just exactly. a personal issue. But um, but it's interesting you say that about the changeup because, again, as, as someone who has taught pitchers in the past, you know, there's probably at least at least seven different ways that I know of that you could throw what could be called a changeup, whether you throw it like a palm ball or you know, the okay change or the circle change or the pitchfork change or, you know, it, there's all kinds of different variations. And again, like you said, um, a lot of pitchers will move their thumb maybe up a little bit to try to get more um, inward movement or downward movement. They might move their, their um, fingers, spread them a little more. So, so now, you know, it, it's understandable that, you know, may, maybe Matt Moore will have no problem throwing a change up. It's just that he needs to either change his grip or, or, or the way he's, the way he's releasing the ball or the way he's moving his wrist or something, there must be something that's not right. And again, it goes back to what, um, what Dr. James Andrews was saying, which is, I mean, that's part of mechanics is the way you're holding and releasing the ball, right? Well, it's a part of, are you doing something that is going against the rules of the way the joints work together as a unit? You know, muscles cross two joints. If he's doing something with his thumb that doesn't allow his wrist to move effectively, and the wrist in the end is what delivers the ball, it's the last contributor to velocity and it is the thing that happens, it's the last joint movement and if you move, and, and anybody can do this, if you do certain, you grab something 
that's uh, like a huge uh, basketball with one hand, you may not be able to move your wrist real effectively because of the position the thumb has to be in. If you change the positions, your wrist moves easier. We do this all day long when we grip things. So the thumb is critical to gripping. And it runs right up, right up into the uh, medial elbow. So the thing is, is when you change that, if it tightens up the wrist, then it is having an effect on the way the elbow joint's going to move. The elbow jo joint may not be as free to move. Also, as he lifts the ball out of his glove, if he's got a strange grip, as he's coming up into what we might call the early cocking position, that ball, that wrist may not be keeping the ball in, in a position that actually allows him to move uh, easier. So there are a million things that could be going on, but this is such a huge, for him to say last year I had, oh, last year my pain was from the changeup, that's how I got on the DL, and now this is the pitch he threw, and he actually did say that a few of them had bothered him earlier in the game. You can't ignore this. This could be the key, not only for him, but for us understanding more about some of the things pitchers do that they don't realize they're doing uh, that is affecting something. But to have pain, that's like the body saying, this is exactly how you're hurting me. And now then you just have to go in and investigate it. So I am hoping they see their way through to do this because this could be vital to us understanding injuries and also for him as a pitcher because just as he said, when he got back to spring training, it was in the back of his head. Once you have an elbow injury, even if he decides not to throw the changeup, he's already done damage, it's in the back of his head. And the best thing to get a pitcher's head on straight is for him to have some information he can bite his teeth into and go, oh, now I get it. So that he can say, well, I won't, yeah, I feel it. I put my thumb down here and, boy, that tightened up the wrist immediately. Let me slide it up a little. Wow, that's great. And now that pitcher is not saying to himself, when is this going to happen again? He has some sense of control over it. And whether or not that's a real control, the fact that he feels that control is critical to the pitcher feeling safe to return to his prior kinds of performance. We don't want to see him holding back to the point where he's not even effective anymore. So this is why these kinds of things are so important to know, and getting this feedback from the pitcher and understanding that is huge. So I'm hoping that right. they follow through on this. Well, here, here's the thing, Angel, and um, we have about five minutes left. Um, the Tampa Bay Rays, the, the team that Matt Moore plays for, the Tampa Bay Rays, they – they have been doing a lot of secretive biomechanical analysis, and um, they have some biomechanists supposedly on staff. They're, every single one of their pitchers goes through this, this you know, high-tech scientific analysis. I know that, that um, the New York Mets have some kind of analysis that they do too for, with biomechanics. Um, and yet these teams are doing all this analysis, and yet they're still getting pitchers with elbow injuries and, and going for Tommy John surgery. So maybe – you could give us an idea of why, how, how is it that they're doing all this preventive, um, preventive um, things using technology, using science, and they're still getting injured pitchers? Yeah, well, here's the thing. So what I'm going to say is actually going to defend biomechanics because it's being criticized now like, oh, these teams have it and it's not helping, and then also try to explain the difference in 
uh, having information about a picture and what you do with that information. So first of all, if you're going to do a biomechanical analysis, the picture has to be in a bullpen. He has to have electrodes on him, and he's in an environment where he's being measured in a certain way. What a pitcher is doing in a game is completely, not completely different, but can be different. So that's the first thing. It's a completely different environment. So biomechanics does not take film from a game and analyze that to determine things about his performance. They analyze him up front to say, hey, is everything cool? The fact that it's cool in that setting doesn't mean it's necessarily cool in, a, in, in the game setting. But you're going to get close stuff. I mean, it's not going to be that much variation, but there could be some. So that's the first thing. Secondly, the data you get from biomechanics is, uh, you know, it's taken from static positions where they stop the film, they do some measurements, and you get this list of things where he, what he's doing. The coolest thing about biomechanics is it tells you how fast things are moving. It measures rotational velocity of the hips, the shoulder, the elbow. That's something I can't do. I, I can tell you if someone's throwing hard or not, but I can't say, oh, well, he's rotating at X number of degrees, and that's great information. But the deal is it's what you do with that information, and having that information is not enough. So I, having biomechanists on staff that do measurements, that's great. And if I get to have someone come to me and I've got those measurements, wow, that gives me more depth of information that I can get from just doing filming, which takes me to my real job, which is changing mechanics. So the deal is, is that let's say a number came up that was low. Like let's say they say your elbow velocity is below the norm and therefore that is why you're uh, only throwing 91 instead of the way you used to throw 95. Or two years ago your elbow velocity was here and now you're here and that's why you've gone down. Well, you have to have a person who understands what are the reasons why elbow velocity would not be prevalent and it has to do with knowing how the shoulder affects the elbow, and knowing how the position and length of the arm affects the velocity. There are tons of things you have to know, and you have to be able to pick those things out. You have to be able to look at the pitcher and look at him uh, pitching from film where he's in a game or even in a bullpen. You have to put that together. That's the background work that I do. And then the next piece is, you have to figure out which is the most important thing to make the change, and then you have to go seamlessly adjust it in the picture. You cannot open him up. You have to do it seamlessly. You have to do one tiny adjustment at a time, and if you've worked in the right place, you will see an immediate change, and it pretty much has to happen within X number of pitches, where the pitcher goes, yes, this feels better. And then he works to, to cement it. If you give that data to a coach who he shouldn't be able to do that, he can't be able to do it, he shouldn't be asked to do it, if you give that data to a coach and hand him and say his elbow velocity's down or his shoulder velocity's down, that poor coach doesn't know where to go from there. So analysis is being mentioned as if it's the end, and it's a means to an end. But you have to still make the change, and that is why I think the, the, the society is getting crazy about this anal analysis thing. Analysis is a one-minute tool I use in a session. I film, 
make a correction, I film again, the picture looks, we film again, we look, we film, we look, I look at when he comes in, we make the comparison, but we're not standing in front of a computer, we're on the mound moving his body and making changes to eradicate whatever we saw. So I don't know what the no Tampa worries. Bay Rays are doing with, with uh, analysis, but unless it's got a component where it's interpreted and then handled, it will be information that would be just sitting there. So yeah. we don't really know what they're doing. So we can't blame biomechanics. That's not the field in the world of movement that makes the change. That's the field that tells you here are some areas in which he's not moving efficiently. Then the ball is handed to the other part of the field, which is take this, use it, see the big picture, and now go teach it. So it's a movement teaching sort of segment that is included with the biomechanics. Not, uh, not doesn't override it. It's an addition to it. And so, and I believe that's where teams are kind of going wrong. They might be asking their coaches to do it, and it's too much on them. They need to be worried about the things that they handle. Yeah, I, don't, I, I think that's exactly what the issue is. You're, it, they're getting all this data, but once they hand it off, it's not getting into the, the most qualified hands. I mean, I don't think – I wouldn't expect any – major league pitching coach to have the kind of background that's needed to in order to interpret what what this this data is is saying um i you know i i think you know you need you need someone who's qualified and has the background to understand exactly what it means and then and then be able to understand how to apply it and in, in the situation not just you know say oh well you know his 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 arm is in the wrong spot here but if if you don't have the right person who understands how to place it in the right spot then all this data is pretty useless, I would imagine. Exactly. You have to know why it's not in the right spot, what's he doing that causes it, because everything everything that you're measuring that turns up as an error is really the effect of something he's doing that causes in another part of the motion, because that's the way motion has, has a cascading effect. And so you have to be able to understand that. Then you have to have tools to teach, and you have to know every single muscle so that you can teach the pitcher how to feel. The reason why changes I make are seamless and they happen within a session are because I don't tell him what to do. I show him muscles and have him feel movements with his muscles and explain it, and pitchers are so smart. And when they feel something, they love it. And so much of pitching has been abstract, and I think that's why I've had a successful business because, see, because I wasn't a pitcher, you know, being a woman in, in science in my field is an advantage. I wasn't a pitcher. So I can't teach them something about the way of movement feels in pitching, but I definitely know muscles and I know how every muscle feels when you contract it correctly, and I can uh, give them that so they get that sort of kinesthetic imagination going and they can get that feel for something and they can make the change. And they absolutely love it because usually the pitching motion is taught in a very abstract way. And I give them something they can bite their teeth into. It's, it's like training in a gym. So they're feeling the muscle that is involved in the movement. That's why it's so easy for them to make a change. And the terms that I use are completely different than what maybe a pitching coach would use because I'm always talking about the muscles in the body. So 
um, yeah, so there's got to be another piece to it, and I'm hoping that that's where all of this starts to lead, and it would be great if Matt were one of the first recipients of having that kind of overall, you know, treatment, if he's not already getting it. Yeah, I, I think that that would be fantastic. You know, I'm, I'm thinking about this in my head and on the process of, of, you know, doing the biomechanical analysis and then having the kinesiologist come in and, and make the actual changes on the fly. Um, it's it's really not unlike going to the doctor. You know, you you have like you, you bumped yourself. Um, maybe maybe you banged your maybe you banged your elbow, and you go to the doctor and and the doctor sends you for an X-ray. Um, you know, the doctor doesn't necessarily take the X-ray. Usually, the X-ray technician will do that. And so there's an X-ray technician who will take the X-ray, and then you have someone who will interpret the X-ray, and then you might have someone else who actually does the surgery if a surgery needs to happen. I mean, so. I don't think it that you know major league baseball teams or coaches should feel threatened by a process that would have you know maybe a biomechanist you know figuring out all the angles and and doing that whole analysis and then having a a kinesiologist try to make the 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 necessary adjustments based on whatever what was found and then have the pitching coach just apply you know his normal pitching coach things whether it's you know mental preparation or, or you know how to throw a certain kind of pitch, or you know how to approach a batter, how to do strategy. I mean, it's it's a similar process, and I and I feel like as soon as major league teams start to realize that this process is similar to that, maybe we can get somewhere. Yes, I think that it's going to be great, and I think the day is coming. I really do. I feel it. I know it's already happening out here because obviously I have a great business, and and here in here in the Bay Area, you know, when something's wrong, it's, you know, let's go get it fixed. Uh, there is no question, but I think that, you know, it's going to become more widespread over the country. I think other people hopefully will jump on the bandwagon and start studying and being able to do this kind of work. And then, in addition, the teams will start stop trying to make it part of the job description of the coaches. As long as the coaches think it's part of their job description, they're going to defend or be, feel defensive or feel concerned that they aren't doing that, and so they're going to either try to do it, but, you know, from the owners on down, it has to be, hey, guys, we're sorry. We've been asking you to do a job that is not part of what your background is. Let's bring someone in to help you. And that is that has really got to happen first. And so... Um, yeah, and nobody should feel like a failure with this thing with Matt Moore. You have to do all the pieces, and if all the pieces weren't done, it's something slid by. And you never know. He could, People could have identified this and actually been working with him. We don't really know the details, but nobody should feel like a failure here. This should be a pivot point for us to move into a better and healthier direction. Yeah, well, hopefully this will be a learning experience. Angel, thanks so much for your time today. This was this was great. I think we I think we learned a lot and uncovered a lot. And I feel like that um, the good news is coming. I think I think very soon we're going to we're going to be in a, a situation where we can start preventing some of these injuries. Great. Well, thank you so much for having me again. As always, thank you. So uh, that wraps up uh, episode number six of the Fix, and uh, we'll see you again next week.